0: Good morning, and welcome to Simply CRE. It's Saturday, February 10th. On today's show, foreign investors are cooling on U.S. commercial real estate, while a Colorado bill proposes turning office buildings into apartments for a tax credit. Plus, the ZBA denies Archipelago's request to decrease commercial space at a mixed-use building planned for Atkins Corner. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David and you're listening to Simply CRE. We start off with a look at the commercial real estate, or CRE, which is bracing for another challenging year in 2024 after a turbulent 2023. While the office sector may remain vulnerable, other sectors are well-funded and are expected to benefit from a constructive economic backdrop. Here to delve into this is our correspondent, Celeste. Can you give us an overview of the current state of the CRE market?
1: Certainly, David. Last year was one of the most challenging years for commercial real estate since 2009. The sector was hit hard by the Fed's policy tightening and the regional banking crisis, leading to a significant withdrawal of debt capital and a sharp drop in property sales. The CRE market now faces increased refinancing risks, with $1.2 trillion of debt maturing by 2025 amidst tough lending conditions and higher interest rates.
0: That sounds like a significant challenge, but you mentioned that the overall refinancing risk should be relatively well-contained. Can you explain why?
1: There are three main reasons for this. First, policymakers are keen to avoid additional stress on the financial system and would act quickly to prevent periods of illiquidity and distress in both CRE and banks. Second, a resilient US economy is supporting tenant demand across CRE. And third, while nearly 20% of the CRE debt scheduled to mature in 2024 is in the challenged office sector, other sectors, such as apartments, which account for more than 30% of the outstanding debt, have stronger fundamentals and more secure liquidity.
0: So what will be the main determinant of CRE performance in 2024?
1: Given the sector-specific nature of CRE, and the extremely attractive valuations compared to prior years, the main determinant of CRE performance in 2024 will likely be the durability of the economic expansion rather than refinancing risk. If the Fed can pivot to an easing cycle against the backdrop of ample liquidity and positive economic growth, 2024 could provide a transition point for the CRE market.
0: That was an insightful analysis from Celeste on the complex dynamics of the commercial real estate market. Speaking of which, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding this market, particularly when it comes to office space. However, one thing is clear. Foreign investment in US commercial real estate has significantly declined, with a few exceptions. This decline and the exceptions provide some insight into the state of domestic commercial real estate. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply CRE. Can you tell
2: us more about this trend? Indeed, David. The peak of foreign purchases of U.S. real estate was in 2017, with residential purchases amounting to $153 billion. Now it's down to just $53 billion. While the percentage of homes in the U.S. owned by non-Americans is usually between 2% and 3%, the percentage of commercial real estate owned by foreign investors has been much higher. Historically, it's been around 10 or 11%, but last year it was just 6%.
0: That's a significant drop. What's causing this decline in foreign investment?
2: There are a few factors at play. High interest rates and uncertainty about when they'll decrease are affecting both foreign and domestic investors. Sales volume in commercial real estate in the U.S. is down 63%. Additionally, some foreign investors are facing economic issues in their home countries and need to liquidate their assets. This is particularly the case for Chinese investors. Korean investors, who had heavily invested in office space, are also pulling out after suffering losses.
0: Are there any areas of commercial real estate where foreign interest remains strong?
2: Yes, there are. Despite the overall decline, certain sectors are still attracting foreign investors. For instance, data centers, life sciences, and student housing are seeing continued interest from large sovereign wealth funds and big investors, particularly from the Middle East. This foreign interest is helping to support these sectors while office buildings continue to experience what's being referred to as a slow burn. Thanks for that insight, Bella.
0: From foreign investment in US commercial real estate, we now turn our attention to a proposed solution to Colorado's affordable housing shortage. The bill suggests turning vacant office buildings into apartments and offers a tax credit as an incentive. This comes nearly four years since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has left many office spaces, especially in cities like Denver, vacant as people continue to work remotely. Here with more on this is Michael, a
3: correspondent for Simply CRE. That's right, David. The bill proposes a refundable tax credit of up to $3 million per project for costs associated with adaptive reuse. This includes modifications such as new windows, elevator changes, facade alterations to meet environmental and insulation standards, and utility changes. The State Office of Economic Development wouldn't be able to reserve more than $5 million of tax credits per year.
0: So this bill is essentially a test case for the concept of converting commercial properties into residential spaces.
3: Exactly. The bill is seen as a launching pad to explore how to effectively create housing in this time of desperate need. The tax credit itself does not have strict affordability requirements, but it is based on the hope of addressing housing affordability issues. Can you give us an example of such a conversion? Certainly. A recent example in Denver is the Art Studios building at 1200 Lincoln Sate. Developers converted the former Art Institute building into 192 residential units, with rents ranging from $1,250 for a 245 square foot studio to $1,870 for a 505-square-foot, one-bedroom.
0: And what's the potential for this concept in Denver? There's immense potential.
3: A study released last summer identified 16 top candidates for adaptive reuse in Denver, which could add over 5,000 housing units to the city. Currently, three projects are in the pipeline for a pilot program to help developers convert downtown office towers into apartments. What are the challenges in
0: converting commercial properties into residential spaces?
3: The costs for conversion projects can vary greatly. It makes more sense for some buildings than others. For instance, pre-war buildings are often narrower, have better light access, and usually have functioning windows. However, the process can get expensive and complicated. Despite this, the need for affordable housing is so great that even a $5 million tax credit is seen as a worthwhile step. When will we know more about the fate of this bill? The bill faces its first test during a committee hearing on February 29th. The legislative session ends on May 8th. The tax credit bill has its first House committee hearing scheduled at the end of this month.
0: Thanks for the update, Michael. In other news, the Amherst Zoning Board of Appeals has unanimously rejected a request from Archipelago Associates for a variance to decrease the non-residential space in a mixed-use building planned for Atkins Corner. The zoning bylaw stipulates that 30% of ground floor area be non-residential, but the developers wanted to reduce it to 10%. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about this decision and its implications?
4: Certainly, David. Archipelago Associates had proposed to build a mixed-use building at the corner of Gould Way and Lannon Lane. Their representative, Kyle Wilson, and attorney Mark Bobrowski argued that the site's steep slope and large area of wetlands limited its suitability for commercial use. They also pointed out the financial hardship of leveling the site for commercial enterprises. They asserted that the variance would not cause detriment or go against the zoning bylaw.
0: What were the main points of contention during the Zoning Board of Appeals meeting?
4: The ZBA members questioned the arguments presented by Archipelago. They asked if other siting of the building had been considered that would be more amenable to commercial use. They also questioned how adding more non-residential space was a financial hardship since Archipelago was going to build the building regardless. There was also disagreement on whether the nearby Atkins Farm Store provides all services and goods that the neighborhood could use. What was the public's response to this proposal? The public response was largely against the variance. Many residents argued that the neighborhood needs more vibrant services and that any development without non-residential space does not benefit the community. There were concerns that granting this variance would set a precedent for other developers to circumvent the requirements of the mixed-use building bylaw. Only one resident spoke in support of the variance, citing the need for more housing. What happens next for Archipelago Associates? The ZBA chair suggested that Archipelago could withdraw the request without prejudice, meaning that they could reintroduce it at a different percentage than 10%. However, this proposal was rejected by a one-to-four vote, so they cannot submit it again within the next two years. Archipelago has 20 days after the decision is filed with the town clerk to appeal the decision. Thanks for the insights,
0: Abby. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply CRE. We'll see you back here tomorrow.